Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you're joining us. Today, we have Timmy Gibson. And Timmy is a former evangelical pastor here in Kansas City. Yeah. Our paths crossed maybe two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and Timmy was actually the first guy to interview me after my meltdown fall from grace. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he, he quizzed me on theological beliefs for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a fellow podcaster, yep. fellow former evangelical pastor. So we both share that in common. And, uh, and yeah, has a fun story. So, uh, I wanted to get him on here and thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, you bet. Let's, let's start. I always like to get backstory, you know, kind of the, kind of the origin stories and yours is fun because it crossed, we we realized that it, it brought us together in a funny sort of way through our friendship with Adam Hamilton. Yeah. 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 So after you'd done my interview, just to tell people, I, I got a call from you one day and you were going, Hey, do you want to do a podcast with Adam Hamilton? And I was like, well, sure. But how do you know Adam Hamilton? <laughs> yeah. So your backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Of, I grew up with kind him. Of explain that. Yeah. So, but tell us, you know, where you were born, you know, growing sure. up, what your faith system was, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Grew up in Kansas city, been here all my life. Um, lived in, uh, pretty much Johnson County, most all of my life. Uh, Going to uh, Assembly of God Pentecostal Church back in the day. And um, upon graduating high school, felt the call into ministry. And and that was the highest, that was like the highest call. I mean, you could be a doctor, a lawyer, a politician, or you could really do something great and be a pastor. And uh, anyway, felt that leading and went off to seminary uh, Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. Okay. And, but before that, to go back just a little bit further, and when I was in junior high, I went to a little church out in Stanley, Kansas called Faith Chapel, which is where I met Adam and LaVon. Mm. And uh, they weren't married yet at that time. And yeah. he was a youth leader in, in the youth group that I was a part of. And my my dad and mom used to hang out with Adam and LaVon, and they were in Bible things together and and all that kind of stuff so yeah i go way back with with adam and then lost track you know he graduated and went off and did his his thing and then i went off and did my thing and then you went to central bible college central bible college did you graduate from there no just two years and then left there went down to rama bible college down in tulsa so then i got amongst the charismatic word of faith name it claim it bunch right and uh yeah graduated from rama okay and then uh moved back to kansas city made it baylor that graduated from baylor and then went to rama huh because we were we had gotten into this sort of charismatic baptist church when we were baptist kids at baylor so he he was convinced 
that Kenneth Hagin was God's prophet, prophet on the planet. <laughs> and that if I didn't follow Kenneth Hagin, that like it could have dire consequences in the afterlife for me. Yeah. And there, I was, there was a, there was a vibe of that. I mean, it was definitely was very like, driven. I was like, yeah, huh. in that way. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's funny. I, I look back to that now as a, as a agnostic and I would maybe say I'm a spiritual agnostic. Cause I still, I still love Jesus. I just don't believe you have to believe in Jesus to, you know, have a good afterlife or whatever. But when I first got to campus and they, first had chapel at Rama. I, I remember really struggling just the the charismatic over the top vibe and then the prophet you know kenneth hagan just the worship of him ish you know mm-hmm. felt I mean, very they odd they wouldn't say that but, no they wouldn't yeah, say that but yeah, it was right. definitely there was a vibe yeah. of whatever he says is gospel yeah you know it's it's well, and he's funny he's a funny storyteller very he's, he's a great this, storyteller he's got this homespun Southern, Southern draw feel to it. Yeah. Uh, one day I was playing on a creek bank. Yeah. You know, you know and just, Jesus appeared to yeah, me yeah. in a vision. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, no, he's very, yeah. very like grandpa telling you uh-huh. a great story of uh-huh. when he saw Jesus. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And, and the thing about it was then you either believed it and were in line. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was only really the only option. I mean, yeah. if you didn't believe it, then you weren't really listening to the voice of the Lord. Yeah. Well, I had never suspect. been around anybody that had seen Jesus more times, <laughs> nor had Jesus like <laughs> speak directly to him and explain the Bible to him and do all these things, you know, and oh, yeah. it was just like, wow, this is, cr-. you know, I, I didn't know what to think when I was first getting introduced to all of that, yeah. you know, cause I was a Baptist kid first right yeah <laughs> anyway yeah yeah so after rama what what did you do so after rama i was employed at a few churches here and there uh one in alabama and then i moved out of there and went to um uh, conroe texas actually houston texas area it was actually a, a really good church i was still very charismatic but the pastor used to work with joel Osteen at uh, lakewood a church that little church down there in Houston. His dad started that. Yeah, John, John Osteen, Osteen started it, and his yeah. son Joel Osteen right. worked in the TV department. And then uh, the pastor that I worked for worked alongside him with the singles group down in Houston. So I worked in a church. <laughs> this is another little connection point. Um, two summers while I was kind of going through seminary. So yeah. I graduated Baylor, then I was at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Two summers I worked at at. Uh, Oak Ridge Baptist Church, right on I-45, yep. right by the Woodlands. Yes. So <laughs> I lived in the Woodlands. Yeah. So, and I, I would, I would stay in homes in the Woodlands while I was there. Cause they would, people would leave. And like, I remember staying in these beautiful homes in the Woodlands for the summer. Yeah. Sometimes. But yeah, like little spring, Texas was just a little, yep. you know, yeah, I lived in spring, Texas for a while. I got introduced to, to playing 42 dominoes and, and bluebell ice yes. cream. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, I lived in Spring and also lived in the Woodlands, and then I worked in Conroe. You remember that little ice cream store down by the railroad track in Spring? Oh my goodness, yes, yeah. just to the east. And they would, they was. I think they served Bluebell, didn't they? Yeah. Holy crud. Yeah. Those yeah, were, that's crazy. That a long time ago. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Let's then I there. worked there for a while. Then in 2002, moved back here to Kansas City to plant a church. 
first we named, or in the beginning it was named Olathe Life Fellowship, and there was another church that had a similar name, so we changed it to Olathe Life Church, and then we changed it again to Mercy Church, um, and pastored that church, goodness, till 2018, 2019 is when I eventually, I just had to, had to shut it down, just my, my theology had changed so drastically, mm -hmm. I just couldn't, you know, you said this earlier that you teach the things that you're passionate about. And for me, that's what I did. I just really stuck with the, the words of Jesus and things that give, you know, love yeah. and kindness and mercy and grace and forgiveness. I just really stuck on those. And then I just got to the point where I was like, I just can't do this anymore. And then I had gone through a divorce uh, in 2019. And so that was, you know, heavy on my heart too. And I really wanted to have no pressure, no no responsibilities and, mm -hmm. you know, get, get into some counseling, just kind of work through some of my, my struggles and stuff. And, uh, yeah. So I'm curious. Um, so we're both church planters too. So we, mm -hmm. we have a lot of connection yeah. there, but, um, how did you start? Like, how did you in initially start the church? How did you get 10 people or 20 people or 30? Yeah, we phone call in the beginning. It was, you know, calling the people that I knew and just said, Hey, I'm going to start a church where you're interested in being a part of the leadership team. And so we started with like 10 people. Okay. And then we did the classic cause we were a part of an organization back then that kind of helped seed us with ideas and different things. This was it, like a Pentecostal group. Yeah. It's sort? called the ARC. It's okay. ARC, ARC association okay. of related churches. I've heard of that. Uh, yeah. Chris Hodges. Um, it was a soda associated with like Bethel down in mm -hmm. Louisiana and, and, uh, what's his name? Dino Rizzo, who, uh, was down in Baton Rouge area. Okay. Actually, he was the youth pastor for Jamie Swagger. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was in kind of that group mm -hmm. and uh, Greg Surratt and some other folks. So, I got some seed money from them to help. And so we did advertising, we did door hangers, you know, um, we did a mailer, we did all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. like church coming soon, church coming mm -hmm. soon, you know, different than all other churches. And, mm -hmm. and so our first service, I think, I think our first service, we maybe had just under a hundred people, maybe 60, 70 people at the first service mm -hmm. and then just slowly grew. We got to about 300 people. Mm -hmm. Where were you meeting at? High school, Olathe South High School. High school, that whole. Uh -huh. like, uh, we started in a junior high auditorium because it it was like sat two fifty. Okay. And then once we started running two fifty, it just felt it was too much, mm -hmm. and so we moved right next door to the high school auditorium. Okay. Which I'll be honest, that that was a thousand seat auditorium, and so it only looked great on Easter. Mm -hmm. You know, Easter we'd you know as you know triple your crowd, mm -hmm. so we'd go from three hundred to six seven hundred people. Mm -hmm. And it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, did you, were you doing rock and roll cr Christian worship kind of stuff? Yeah, Hillsong, United uh -huh. type stuff. Yeah, You're very a musician, progressive. Right? Ish. I can sing. Okay. I can sing. I play a little guitar, but okay. yeah, not very accomplished. So, did, how did you recruit your, your worship people? Kids I grew up with in oh, the nice. church that Adam Hamilton and I went to. So, uh -huh. that pastor who's since passed, his name was Phil Hollis. Phil Hollis has two boys, Brandon and Jason Hollis. Um, I called those two guys and they're both very accomplished musicians. And so I called them and said, Hey, I'm going to start a church. You interested in leading the worship part of it? Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, let's do it. Awesome. And so yeah, Brandon actually, he pastors a church down in Conway, Arkansas, I believe. I can't think of the name of the church, but now he's, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's down pastoring down there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I am curious. Um, so you pastored this church 2002 to 2000, roughly 19. Mm -hmm. That's uh, 
17 years. Yeah. It's a pretty good, yeah. pretty good we run. We had a good run, yeah. Pretty good run. And I don't think we crossed paths during that time. No. I, I started Vineyard in 1990. Pastor did until 2019. Okay. But we didn't Oh, wow. Really, Similar. In the, really cross, yeah, I started yeah. about 10 years earlier than you. Yeah. Um, Adam and I started the same year. I say you year. and Adam started the same, okay. Same year, yeah. He, he down south and me up north. Um, so I'm curious as you pastored this church, um, uh, what were your biggest challenges, biggest frustrations, and then maybe what were your biggest joys? And then how did how did your faith and belief system start to fall apart? So that's three different questions. Sure, sure. Okay, so maybe first one maybe what were, what were some of your biggest challenges and struggles as you pastored that church for 17 years sure you'll you'll relate to this yeah two things for me finances and volunteerism like those were the two biggest challenges people talk about sometimes pastors say it's so hard to come up with messages fred i just don't i just don't i can talk <laughs> and i have lots of stuff going on in my head and i'm a reader you know a pretty yeah. avid reader so i was constantly reading so there was I never, ever struggled with messages. I just didn't. I okay. never struggled. And I watched a lot of other preachers. So I was just inundated. I, I literally had more stuff than I could ever preach, honestly. Mm, right. But yeah, money, because I hated talking about it. I hated it. Mm. Uh, I, I just wanted it to just come in. I didn't yeah. want to have to talk about it. I didn't want to do campaigns. I didn't want to manipulate. <laughs> I, when I say, hey, that's that's even mild. Uh, I despised it. It was, I hated talking about money. Yeah. And it, that was frustrating because it's like, man, you know, we got free donuts, free coffee, a great, you know, music, a great service. Like we're providing this great service. Like, mm -hmm. come on, like, mm -hmm. you know, contribute to what mm -hmm. we're doing here. We're not asking for a lot, but do something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were very stereotypical in the sense of, I think it's what, 20% of the people provide for 80% of the, you know, 80% yeah. of the people aren't giving. 20% do. Mm -hmm. uh, and the loudest voices with the biggest complaints, they're never the ones giving. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I sound, I don't, I'm just, that's just true. That's, yeah. that's just true. Yeah, it's true. And then the volunteer part, that wasn't as big of a struggle, but it was a struggle in the kids department. Mm -hmm. And it was a struggle to find what I would consider like super quality, qualified children's mm -hmm. workers. For music, though, we just didn't struggle there either. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I'm slightly a musician mm -hmm. that that or and it might have. I, I really give a lot of credit to my worship leader who at the time, Brandon Hollis, super gifted, very gifted, just super talented mm. and a great guy, just a really good dude. Mm. But he was so talented that other talented musicians wanted to play. Yeah. That made a big difference. That they were like, he's so good. Sure. We want to be on the team with him. Right. So that probably made all the difference in the world. Um, so yeah, that was the biggest yeah. struggle. Cool. Money and volunteers. Yeah. What about your joys? What would, what would you say over that 17 year period of time? What did you enjoy the most about pastoring? Teaching. Okay. I, I love teaching and, okay. and, and talking and in the community, I did enjoy just sharing and all of that stuff together. That hence the why, even as an agnostic, I still go to church. I go to Adam Adams church. I go to church, of the resurrection downtown. Um, so yeah, so I still go to church, but only for community. Cause I don't believe a lot of the stuff, but I believe in community and, and I believe in goodness and kindness and, you know, generosity. Mm -hmm. And so that resonates. Yeah. So, okay. 
All right. And then, uh, so then at some point you're pastoring the churches, you know, I mean, at least you're making a living and yep. people are getting blessed. Probably you're baptizing people. Oh yeah. People are, yeah. People are getting saved and all that. Oh, Their yeah. lives are being changed for good probably. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, and all, all because you start this church and at some point your belief system started crack yeah shift yes is it slow and gradual it was was because i always had questions okay but i was in an environment that really didn't allow for questions so those questions were kind of just always rumbling just underneath the surface and when i'm out on my own and i'm pastoring i'm reading so i'm reading a lot of books and i'm not just reading christian books like i'm just an avid reader i love reading and I would way. just read, read things. Everything. Yeah, I just, I read everything mm-hmm. and I don't always read that. I don't just stick with what, like, I don't, just like I wouldn't say I watch only Fox. Like I would watch CNN, Fox, MSNBC, which I don't even like news. But if I did, I like to like right. hear what everybody's saying, not yeah. just, I love this and stick right. with it. So I was reading books that were atheistic yep. books or whatever. Anyway, and the big thing for me was the LGBTQ plus community. That was a community that, I had friends in mm-hmm. and close friends in, mm-hmm. and I was an early adopter for same-sex same marriage in support of it. I could not understand why Christians were so against that community, mm. um, and I just didn't align with that. I just didn't align with the the fundamental evangelical view that mm-hmm. yeah you can be gay it's okay but you just can't act on those feelings mm-hmm. like it just that's so ignorant that'd be like telling an, a, 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 a person that's heterosexual listen i know you like women fred but mm-hmm. you just can't ever do it and never be with them you got to be with a man like what i don't <laughs> like men like in that way i only like women and so it it just it just graded me wrong and so i'll never forget this was a turning point in my life and the church's Mm. life back in like 2005 to 8 somewhere in there i did a sermon and it went viral and it was called god loves gays Mm. and at the same time we were taking a group of like 20 people going out to topeka and to the westboro baptist church yeah we were we were doing we were picketing them saying god loves gays you know, God. It, so we were directly opposing that message of hate. Wow! Did and they so come that, pick at you? Oh yeah, they came out and screamed at us. Yeah. And oh yeah, it was crazy. I had them come to my church once. Yeah, uh, which I kind of thought was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oddly, they never came to my church. Oh, okay. I was hoping that they would. I was like, come on, bring it on, yeah, let's do yeah. it. But so they didn't come to us. We went to them, and so that was the biggest turning point, I think. And that's when the church made a huge shift. We, we started to lose a lot of that, that, that fundamental evangelical crowd, you know, the inerrancy of the Bible and all that stuff, which I don't believe in. I started weeding those people out because I was just becoming a little bit more liberal in my theology. Mm-hmm. And the more liberal I became in my theology, I mean, it was just driving a wedge between those that were like, I say, with, with that thought and those that were not with that thought Mm -hmm. and so the church really struggled and we'd lose a bunch of people but then we would gain a bunch of people that were more liberal and like man we we like this this guy you know he's he's preaching honest 
authentically yeah. and authentically, and he's struggling with these hard issues and these hard questions. Some people really love that. Okay. Some people thought I was leaving the faith and I've, yeah. you know, I was a heretic. And, right. Yeah. 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 And I was finding more and more joy and peace. That's what's crazy, Fred. I have more joy and more peace in my life now than I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't really fully explain it except that I'm more integrated with what I believe. In other words, what, how I live and what I believe are the same. I don't have like these secret things. It's mm -hmm. like, no, I live very openly and honestly. Mm -hmm. I have no shame, no guilt. I dealt with all that. I went to counseling. I worked through all that religious guilt and shame and now i'm just this is who i am and this is how i live and this is what i believe i don't care what you think you know i i respect whatever you believe but i don't maybe i share some of it some of it i don't care mm -hmm. you know and that has been so freeing for me for my soul mm. yeah so the lgbtq thing that that was that the was start the, sort of the beginning of it yeah um and then the errant inerrancy of the of god's word the, mm -hmm. you know the, some of those things that just slowly but surely then i was like wait a minute maybe jonah wasn't actually swallowed by a real fish and lived in the belly of that fish for three days so yeah it was very gradual okay that i then now came and to where i'm at what year did you start embracing the lgbtq community Two thousand five six seven around in there okay. might have been yeah right around in there okay yeah yeah it's interesting for me um in i i always had lgbtq people come into my church yeah i always welcomed them i i could they serve oh they could serve and oh, they could awesome. even they could even be in some uh leadership positions okay um but we weren't the movement that i was in was not affirming Okay. So you couldn't do a gay wedding and stay in the movement or and and then basically, you know, you could you could have been on the worship team, you could have been you could have done all kinds of things. Okay. But you wouldn't have been able to be a pastor and been in an openly gay relationship. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So while I was welcoming, I always had folks there, always graciously listen to their their stories um we still weren't you know fully affirming yeah and but if i preached on the topic if it ran across it i would i would always think like well these these would be the people that jesus would be hanging out absolutely with, right yeah. i mean like the marginalized you know people on the edges you know those kind of things that seems like that's who jesus would hang out with so in my mind that was that was how we had to play that now i got down right before i went to rehab <laughs> i had a i had a gal who came as a man who transitioned as a woman very spent a lot of time with her uh trans woman yeah and then she fell in love with a woman and she wanted to get married and wanted me to do the wedding and so like she hadn't transitioned fully yeah so chromosomally, she's still a guy and she wants to marry a girl. Right. But if I did the wedding, it's going to look like a lesbian wedding. Right. So I ran it up the flagpole with with the people in my movement that yeah. were, you know, would maybe kick me out or not. Yeah. And I was going, here's the situation. Here's what I, you know, and I was committed to do it. Yeah. Um, and they were like, they, they went back and they, they got back and they said, we don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Hopefully you did it. Did you do it? Hopefully. Well, so I was going to. Yeah. Oh, good. And I was preparing my staff, you know, because I thought we might 
get some kickback. Um, yeah. But then um, they broke up. Huh. And then I went to rehab, and then so I haven't had to really deal with it since. But <laughs> I do a lot of LGBTQ plus weddings. Yeah, a lot, a lot. So yeah, and I so some of those some some folks in that crowd have been so kind and loving toward me. Yeah, with all that I've gone through, and and I I wouldn't I would always be fully affirming of that community. And I I think I think you know there's there's ways to 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 use the Bible. That, that I actually think is damaging and hurtful. Absolutely. And there's ways I think that we can still use the Bible that, that are super helpful and sure. loving and compassionate. And encouraging, sure. Yeah. But let's talk about that a little bit because um, this, this your, your, your congregation, even though you'd lose people, you'd gain some people, but uh, overall it started declining. Yes. Right? Yes. So And the giving started declining. Okay. Here's what I've learned. Right-wing fundamental, like conservative people, seem to be the ones that are primary givers. And that, at least in, in and the guilty Catholics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, yeah. So yeah, money started. Right-wing Catholics, conservative right-wing evangelicals give more. Yes, it sure I seems think that's like true. it. Yeah, I'm, that was my experience. Pretty sure that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. The decline started. Yeah, and. And then my own personal, just spiritual struggle of, man, you know, do I believe this? You know, what did it started? It started your wife at the time on board with you. Yeah. My ex-wife, the wife at the time now ex. Yeah. She, yeah, she was pretty, she wasn't raised okay. in church. Okay. So she was definitely more open cool. to a lot of that. Yeah. And just did. And honestly, she never understood what the problem would like. So they're gay yeah. we're heterosexual what does that right. even matter and so she was pretty yeah fully i would say she was fully on board with all yeah. of it yeah and there's like six verses in the whole bible that kind right. of <laughs> make you think you know yeah it's a bad thing right yeah well um so what after the lgbtq thing then what like what was there a sequence to the things that you started questioning or did it all just come under doubt it's yeah like, it just it started all coming under doubt and there were certain things that that didn't match up evidentially like with with evidence you know like, that god hears our prayers it's like okay. well like sometimes sometimes you pray and it seems to go that way and sometimes you don't pray or you pray and it goes the other way you know you ask for the job you don't get it and sometimes you ask for the job and you do get it like it was just very random and I remember I read a book by Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he said that if there was a God that was listening to our prayers, then there would be evidence of that, meaning a Christian's life would be evidentially better. And 9-11 would have only killed non-Christians. And, you know, like there's just, and all the, you know, the daycare that was in the basement of the, you know, like the Christian parents' kids would have survived. Like, because they're the ones praying for their kids. and. And I just, it, it just made me look back over my life and go, yeah, there's no real evidence that my prayers are being heard. So I just didn't see that it was legit. Mm -hmm. um, and ironically, I still pray, but I pray for different reasons. I pray for my own, like, like I'm journaling mm -hmm. to hear my own thoughts or, yeah. to, or to get myself aligned with whatever I'm praying for. 
Yeah, I do not believe that there's a God in heaven going, oh, Timmy, you want the Chiefs to win today? Well, I'll make that happen. I just, you know what I mean? I just don't. There's no evidence of that. In my opinion, there's just zero evidence that there's a God that's moving. They didn't pray hard enough last Sunday. Yeah, right. Dear Lord. (laughs) So, yeah, then everything just became... Gotta get, I guess we got to get Mahomes prayer life going. I, we so got to get right. We got Super Bowl. Everybody pray for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just, you know, it, that, that it, I just, <laughs> as I looked at things honestly, and I, I started asking this question, what if it's not true? Or what if I'm wrong? I mean, is everything I'm taught accurate? Yeah. Is everything that I believe true? Just, you know, I mean, there are some people that believe if they blow themselves up, they're going to get 70 virgins in heaven. Is that true? I mean, in a way, you can't disprove it. I don't know. I, I would say no, that it's not true, but I can't prove mm-hmm. that it's not true. Mm-hmm. But they believe it so, they're so convinced that that's true, yeah. that they will blow themselves up. I'm not that committed. Right. I don't have that much belief. So LGBTQ, prayer, what about what about science, evolution, dinosaurs? I believe in all of that now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was taught that dinosaur bones were put here by the devil. Remember I talked about my you podcast. Told like, me that. Yeah, I mean that, that's what they taught in this Pentecostal church I went to is that dinosaur bones were literally put in the earth to deceive people. Like that was the so, devil's plan. So that was the <laughs> when you said that, that, like just two years ago yeah. or something, that was the first time I'd ever heard that really? perspective. <laughs> now I had heard, you know, I had so what's interesting is I had young earth people in my church. Yeah. Like the earth is only whatever, 6,000 years old yeah. or whatever, you know. Which is when, just ridiculous. When God created it, he stuck all that stuff there. You know, like he He made a mature earth with dinosaur bones already in the ground, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, and so, and Adam and Eve, you know, they were the first human beings and, you know, they just had sex with each other and then their kids had sex with each other and then that created the whole human race. And right. so, I had people like that, but when I went to Baylor as a freshman, Baylor was actually a pretty liberal school theologically. That's, that's good. It was Southern Baptist. Yeah. And and so like my theology teachers were all super liberal. Good. And then my even my like I took a geology class and the guy was a Christian, but he believed in an old earth. Yeah. You know, and we, we went through all of the geological time frames from from the beginning to up to today you know yeah. and he and it was really and i loved science i was always totally into science yeah so already like so i so it was interesting because i had gotten saved and i'd been doing drugs and stuff so i was pretty sure jesus was real i got saved i stopped doing drugs god called me to be a pastor and when they like my professors weren't didn't even teach that jesus literally resurrected from the dead yeah they thought that was a myth yeah uh, my professors didn't even believe in real demons. They thought that was a myth. Okay. And I'm like going, well, I'm not sure, but I think I had a couple of demons. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I might still, I'm not yeah. sure. You know, anyway, no, but I mean, like I had enough, I had enough doubts about the liberal stuff. And then I had this pretty profound experience that spun my life around. Yeah. So I ended up gravitating toward what I would call like really smart intellectual progressive thinkers they were still fairly conservative but way more progressive so like they would integrate yeah more sophisticated as as they would say yeah Yeah. science with faith 
And I would say that's where I was at. Like I never taught a young earth that when I started vineyard. Thank you. Goodness gracious. You know, I, I always, always left options open, but I always believed in an old earth and an old universe, you know, yeah. and I liked the idea of, of integrating all of that. And I yeah. thought Genesis was an ancient text. And if you tried to turn it into a modern 20th century science text, you screwed it all you, up. Absolutely. It was an ancient text. You needed to view it as an ancient text and see what they were saying in an ancient world. Absolutely. That makes way more sense anyway. Right. You know, well, but, yeah, all the, all the, the backflips and the twisty turns that I had to do to make sense of my young earth view and Adam and Eve being the first two, you know, there were so many flaws and holes in that, mm-hmm. that it was just, it's just, it was ridiculous to the yeah. point where I finally let go of that. And like you said, as I opened myself up and, and engaged more in science and, and factual stuff mm-hmm. and got away from the flat earth view, I realized, oh, now this makes more sense to me. And that sounds derogatory, but that's how I view it. I view the young earth. Pers- I, we know it's not young. It is billions of years old. We, we know this now. Yeah. And so... I yeah. couldn't hold on to a young earth perspective. And then the Adam and Eve, dear Lord, there's so many holes in that. Right. The, 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 yeah. What do you do with the Neanderthals and the Descendants yeah. and the Homo erectus? And like, it's like the evidence kept conflicting with my beliefs. That's what happened. I mean, every one of the hard sciences um, show an old earth. Absolutely. You, you just take biology. You look at Francis Collins, who who decoded the human genome and yes. wrote a book called the language of and he's God. a Christian. Yeah. And has a thing called biologos. He did a, he did a genetic sequencing that, that makes us, takes us right back to the chimpanzees. And yes. all that kind of, I mean, like it's proven it's yeah. in the DNA strand. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Us homo it's sapiens a, have been around for some 200 to 300,000 yeah. years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And there was, there were, there were, types of humans like you've pointed out prior to that even yeah you know yeah. so yeah so i've and i've always loved that stuff and you know like i mean like you take carbon dating it's an old earth you take any kind of thing yeah. it's an old earth i mean you just take astronomy you take biology you take physics you take the, you just go through all the sciences and it points that way but then you have this really rigid approach to a literal bible and everything's literal and here's the thing that I've come to try to point to people is that nobody takes the Bible literally at every point. No, they do not. Nobody. You, no. Especially the scholarly. Not even, like if you took the Orthodox Jewish community that tries to live the most conservative version of the Torah that you could possibly live. Yeah. They don't even do it all literally. No. And they'll argue over what they should and shouldn't do, literally. Yeah. And if you take the most fundamentalist Baptist or fundamentalist evangelical or Pentecostal, they pick and choose all over the place in terms of what they actually take literally and what they don't. Right. And they typically have very little reasoning behind why they've picked out on some things literally and other things not. Right. Like in your tradition, could you have a woman preacher? No. Really? No. Okay. No. Because some I mean, Pentecostal not on dreams. staff as the senior pastor. Now you could have someone that was over prayer or over volunteerism or with the children's department. But I, yeah, I grew up. I never heard a woman preach okay. except 
later as when I, there was an evangelist woman that did come in and I can't think of her name right now. It's skipping my mind, but there was one time I remember a woman evangelist came in. Okay. But she was working healing and miracles. And yeah. It was interesting because Vineyard was kind of, I would have called my church charismatic light. Yeah. And so like, it was interesting because sometimes I would get like fundamental Baptist people, but they didn't, they didn't believe in all the supernatural stuff. Right. So they, they would be rigid, legalistic, on a little bit more of an intellectual plane. Right. These fundamental, I believe in Baptist kind of people. Yeah. And I'd get these fundamental, legalistic Pentecostals in. And they were a little different because they still thought God was speaking to them fresh off the, Absolutely. Off the God thing. And so like they would come to me with, they would tell me what God told me. Like right. They, they would tell me what God told them to tell me. Right. <laughs> you know, so like I'd be like, they they knew exactly how God wanted me to lead the church. Absolutely. And they would give me like memos hot off the plate from God right. what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to lead the church. Yeah. And some of it was pure insanity. And along the way I'm just going, yeah, you you just think every one of your thoughts is God speaking to you and then if I don't obey it, I'm disobeying. I'm, I'm disobeying God. I had people leave my church and because I didn't obey them, because what they were telling me was from God. Yeah. And it was just their brain. Right. And they, I had some people say, God's written Ichabod all over this place. Like, you know, the glory has departed is this Hebrew word, Ichabod. And they were like, as soon as you went to rehab, they're like, see? Yeah. I mean, see? 29 years later, <laughs> I proved their point, right? <laughs> we knew it just took 29 years for him to fall apart. But yeah, it, it <laughs> yeah, no, it, it did. It was things like that, that as I became more knowledgeable in things of science. The thing about evolution, I didn't understand evolution. I didn't understand it. So typically the things you don't understand or how you if you can't conceive it, then you don't believe it. If it's something that you can't understand, then it's mm -hmm. surely not true. Yeah. Well, I was so indoctrinated in the evangelical fundamental way. I was able to do the backflips and make sense of things, even though they clearly didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, it's confirmation bias. You know, I mean, I was able to just the things that now I look back, honestly, Fred, at some of the things I believe and I just shake my head. I'm like, I honestly believed that. Like, I believe that only Christians that you know confess Jesus with their mouth and believed in their heart, Lord Jesus, those were the only people going to heaven, and every other kind, caring, wonderful person was going to go to hell. Which I think even is the people a who never heard, right? Even the people who came way before Jesus, even the people and all the Neanderthals—they're all burning in hell for sure, yeah. right? That and then that, that, that I couldn't accept that anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and the thought of like a Ted Bundy who apparently gave his heart to Christ before he died. So that dude is in heaven. And then the kind, caring, loving Hindu that yeah. was my neighbor that never heard a flea and was just so wonderful. They're in hell. I cannot, I cannot go down this path anymore. I cannot be a part of this belief system. I just couldn't. I just yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah. So... I'm curious um, because you still have um, a spirituality yeah. of some type. Yeah. And like, so for example, like, like, so I pray all the time. I've yeah. I trained myself to pray. Like I can't, yeah. 
You pray without ceasing. <laughs> I really kind of do, yeah. you know, whether it's just my crazy mind or yeah. brain or whatever, but I, I've always kind of integrated it with this thought that I'm, that I'm, you know, praying. And so, uh, so anyway, I'm thinking, but one thing I've gotten into is mindfulness meditation. Yeah. Which is way more about uh, recognizing all these thoughts and feelings that I have. And I've had a lot of, trauma yeah these last couple few years and being aware of my fear my sadness my grief my anger this with, with without judging being open curious receiving the moment yeah trying to be grateful you know moving into a self-awareness that's self-compassionate that's this that and the other and yeah um i remember one podcast i did with you, you had a buddhist friend there with us yeah and and I, I think we, we might have dialogued a little bit about this, but I, my, my prayer now, I, I do a lot more centering prayer yeah, and sort of listening to my own self with compassion, openness, kindness, and what's going on in yeah. my body, my brain, and all that kind of stuff. Have you, have you found some spiritual practices that have yeah. helped you that, that you've found because you're still going to church. Yeah, yeah. You still pray. Yeah, I still pray and like By you. By the way, you've got to listen to an interview I did with Frank um, Schaefer. Okay. His dad was Francis Schaefer. Yeah, why does that sound so familiar? famous evangelical okay. in the 70s. But, but Frank just like, he's a, he's a lot like you. He, he wrote a book called Why, uh, why I'm an Atheist Who Believes in God. Wow, yeah. He, would, he basically would... He says, on some days I'm more of an atheist and some days I'm more of a believer. He goes, he left the evangelical world, but he goes to a Greek Orthodox church and he prays yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but he thinks he, most of the time he feels like an atheist. So, yeah. you know, so that's interesting. I interview, he's really a great author and uh, be, be a fun guy for you. Yeah. You'd, you'd like him. But yeah. Uh, but when you describe yourself, made that me sounds, yeah. think of that my interviews with Frank and, um, I find yeah, what, the practices, what spiritual practices have you found? Yeah, I find the practices, uh, even of the going to church and, and involving myself in the in the community of of um, like minded people in the sense of that are about goodness and kindness and faith and journey, all that kind of stuff. So I, I would say I'm like you. I kind of pray without ceasing. I'm just always in a meditative ish space where I'm thinking and 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 i'll even put stuff out there like you know universe god whatever you know give me wisdom um help me make good decisions help me see the truth and you know i'm always praying those kind of things and I, but i'm not i i'm not praying them to a god that i think is going to be like oh okay well now i'll give you that it's more of just aligning myself it's almost like it's all about just aligning myself with a better nature a, a better self um and, but I do choose to believe in some kind of a, a God or a supreme being of some sort. Mm. Like that does, for me, for me, it makes sense. The, the Even the idea of the universe just coming out of nothing and we just came out of nothing. Yeah. I'll be honest, that's, that's, that is a struggle for me to believe that, that like you and I are just... Mm -hmm. just came out of the ground and now we can talk and think and pontificate. Yeah. And I don't know uh, that just, 
and maybe that yeah, maybe that is the way it is. I don't know, but it would make sense to me that if somehow we found out that ah, there's a supreme being, even if it was a, I would even openly admit that I would be okay if there was another species, uh, another intelligent <laughs> that seeded this planet with light. Like oh, okay. I had a Jewish guy one time. I was flying to Israel, and I actually I I studied Hebrew. I had my Hebrew Bible open, and we got in a conversation. He was a he was an Israeli guy and he was an MD, a doctor. Okay. He's an atheist. And when we went, he opened it up and read, you know, about God making man in his own image. He says, I think these were aliens who came to our planet and, and, and uh, basically um, did a, what do you call it when you, you replicate? Yeah. I'm blanking. A reengineering kind of a thing. Or, well, like cloned. Oh, cloned. Yeah, they got cloned you. Cloned humans. Yes. And then that's what started the planet off was that, that I alien. Would, if that was found out to be clone. true, I'd be like, well, that explains so, it. So we were cloned in the image of God, you know, <laughs> the image of some being, right. something. And this is what he, he literally, this is like yeah. going, huh, I never, never even heard of that, yeah. you know? Um, so there's, there's just so many different uh, streams of thought sure. that flow around those kinds you know, of things. All, there's a scripture that, I think, that, when I think about like, you know, kids would come to me and ask, like, where did God come from? Yeah. And, you know, your answer would be like, well, Timmy. Right. God's just always existed. <laughs> and then you're, and then, you know, but if you were atheist raising your kids, at some point, wouldn't they think like, where did matter come from? Right. Where well, did anything come and from? And that's a, that's a, an argument <laughs> that's a valid argument that atheists have against creationists that's okay if something so great with such precision had to be created fine well who created god and that's a great question that's yeah. a that's an honest question it's because like, if, if if you're using the same principles yeah. in that discussion that you can't have something so great without there being a creator okay fine well who created this great creator how does anything exist rather than nothing? It's it's basically the beginnings of the beginning of the beginning, and yeah. how far back? What do they say? It's turtles all the way down, or whatever. That's an ancient story, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I really do find comfort in maintaining some of these, and maybe it's just because I was always raised in it, and so it it gives me some tethering mm -hmm. to a thing that I I know. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I'm well, and there's maybe there's things that are beautiful, there's things that are lovely, there's love, yeah. there's human love and connection and the beauty of that. There's yeah. things in nature that are so outstandingly gorgeous, and obviously there's things in nature that are that terrible, are destructive, and, and hideous, yeah, and survival of the fittest kind of stuff. But then most of your modern evolutionists are saying for survival of the friendliest, because as you study out. The, the species that survive and live and all that, they've learned to cooperate and love and support each other. That's fascinating. So the I new, have never heard that. new evolution is survival of the friendliest. That makes and, sense. It helps us to begin to push into love and inclusion, radical love and inclusion. And uh, my friend Frank Schaefer thinks that Jesus was kind of ahead of his time with that vision of radical inclusion instead of exclusion. Right instead of tribalism and exclusion and killing everybody and everybody else is your enemies except right. your tribe that actually we're all one big family and we right. need to include everybody and yeah we're all human part of the human race yeah web of, of love and life that that 
that survives only through love and friendliness. Yeah. It's just kind of fascinating to think about. Well, I'm sure you're familiar with Carl Sagan. Yeah, of course. And one of his, what's called the blue dot, you can look at, you can Google it and find Mm -hmm. it, but the blue dot little speech that he gave just about, we're an insignificant planet Mm -hmm. in an insignificant corner of a galaxy in a vast, unbelievably large universe with billions and billions of galaxies and billions of planets Mm -hmm. and billions of earth-like planets that's wild so when you think of excess and that you know we're the only thing that matters god focuses on us and then you kind (laughs) of learn about the universe or that 98 i think 98 percent 98.8 percent of all species that have ever lived have gone extinct What's the purpose in that? What was their purpose? Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Not to mention the seven other human species that went extinct. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Did, did God, were they not the apple of God's eye? Yeah. Like, did they not matter to God apparently? And yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, when I fell apart, it's so interesting because, you know, I had, I had pastored people through their dark crises for years and years and years. And, when I went through mine, it really felt like I had been abandoned. Yeah. And, um, and then I was full of shame, you know, from some, some from my own fault and then some from created, you know, by the community I was yeah. a part of. But I had enough of my own, you know, just literally hating myself. And just in that dark place, it, it just questioned everything. And if so many people wanted me to, just snap back and be like, you know, evangelical kind pastor Fred again. And, and I'm not, I still love Jesus. I still, still love a lot of, I've been teaching the Bible. I still, you're one of the greatest teachers I've ever heard. I still love all that stuff, but I did question everything and I felt like an atheist. Yeah. And then as I've, as I've emerged, I'm still, I still have lots of questions. I think I have way more questions than I, than I have answers. Sometimes just better questions. Yeah. I'm less certain, more open, but I still, I still love Jesus, his life, his teaching. And I still, uh, I still, there's still things in the Bible that I love. Um, and I'm still learning and growing, you know? And so I, I remain open and learning and growing and, but I still, there's still a part of me that feels like, the God that I related to for so long and felt so close to hasn't felt the same in these last three or four years for me. It's been more of a silence. And you know, you've heard of things like dark night of the soul and that kind of stuff. And and, you know, who knows, maybe that's what what I'm going through. It could very well be, but one of my friends said, there's a silence that's comforting Mm -hmm. and peaceful like be still and know yeah. whatever, you know, but then there's a silence that feels like abandonment. Yeah. Like you're forsaken. Yeah. And uh, like Psalm 22, yeah. my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then verse two says, I cried out to you and you did not answer. Yeah. So the doubts and the questions and the disbelief, the, the, this is one of the things I love evangelicals. I grew up my family, everything, you know, all the people that I love and pastor and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I've tried to live openly with my doubts, questions, and disbelief. Maybe that's a mistake. Yeah, it <laughs> is a l- l- it's difficult I've, land. It's where I've been at, and I when I look at Bible characters, honestly, yeah, 
They did too. They did too. Even Jesus is quoting Psalm 22. It's one of the darkest Psalms you could quote. Yeah. I feel like people want you to be certain. Exactly. And and my uncertainty really unsettled people. It does. But oddly, uncertainty gave me certainty. I can't explain that. I don't know why. But I never felt, I felt super lonely in my transition when I was leaving evangelical and becoming more agnostic. It was a dark time just because I lost a lot of friends. There's a lot of friends that, that just, you know, they won't have anything to do with me. Mm. You know, they think I've, I've, I'm a prodigal, you know, I've left the faith and, and some are still praying that I'll come back. And I'm like, you don't understand. It's, I'm not. I don't feel lost. I'm not lost. I mean, I know what you think. Cause I know how you think I used yeah. to think that way, but I just don't look at it that way. Yeah. You know, but I've, I felt lost like I did yeah. in, in the dark. And I've described it like this. I lost my sense of belonging because the church that I'd pastored for 29 years was gone. Yeah. I lost my sense of identity because I'd been a pastor since I was 16. Yeah. I lost my sense of faith because I didn't know what the heck I believed anymore. And so yeah. in that sense, the feeling that I had was like, I felt, I felt like lost. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I used to try to get lost people saved, Save. you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then now I'm like going, I feel lost, you know? And, yeah. but then I've, I've just tried to be honest about that. And, and some of my spiritual values would be honesty, vulnerability, and humility. Yeah. And I think with humility comes that less certain, more open and trying to, and becoming comfortable with paradox, mystery, uncertainty, and even unknowing. Yeah. And I think a faith that's not been examined maybe isn't all that great of a faith anyway. Right? No, I, I, there is a verse that I just absolutely love and it says, you know, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. I've always loved that verse. I love that verse more today than I've ever loved it Mm. because I don't look at truth as no, the Bible truth. No, no. Like truth, truth. Like what is really actually true? Right? Like if God sent Jesus to die on the, like if that's actually true, Mm -hmm. cool. Mm hmm. But what if that's not true? What if that's just a, a misunderstanding? What if there's mythical parts of that story? Some of it's factual, some of it's mythical. What if, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, well, and there ha- and you have to are. ask those questions, you know? Yeah, and, and yeah, so, well, you know how we memorize verses all those years and, you know, yeah. have all those verses memorized and everything. And um, my newest verse that I memorized, like just recently, yeah is Jesus wept. No, no. First John four. This is a legit verse. Okay. First John four, I think it's seven for six or seven, somewhere in there. God is love. Those who live in love live in God and God lives in in them. them. Yeah. And I'm thinking now that's, that's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Like what if we just camped out there? What if that was our main verse? Yeah. And all the whole Bible. That would sure help. What if we just landed right there? Yeah. That's a beautiful place to Absolutely. land. How could you ever go wrong with that, right? Yeah. You know. Well, man, so much fun. Yeah. So tell so tell me uh what what what's out what's your future? Tell people how they can listen to your podcast and sure. check you out online, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can just Google me, the Timmy Gibson. Um uh my website's timmygibson.com. Uh, my show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, it's the Timmy Gibson Show. 
and we record weekly. We do dating, love, relationships, and spirituality. We kind of cover those three topics. I have a co-host, Pammy Nicholson, that comes on and helps me. Uh, and I recently got engaged. I'll be getting married next year in April. Yay. Yeah, Jessica, Jessica Gray. She's uh, precious, man. I'll tell you, I, I posted this on Facebook. I said, you know, as an agnostic, you know, I don't believe in a personal God. I said, but meeting this girl has made me rethink that. Ah. I mean, I wasn't being, that wasn't true totally, but it was a little bit true just because, um, you know, and I, like you as a single person, I, I was fine being single, but I, I did long for a companionship and, and man, if, if the universe, God, whatever, didn't cross, grab me cross paths with someone that was just absolutely wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. So I feel very, very lucky or blessed, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever. You know, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, I am in the wedding business. That's what I do full time. Uh, do a lot of weddings. Um, and yeah, so if uh, any yeah. of you need a wedding uh, efficient, do, yeah, I'm the, you don't want me, then get yeah. just, you want to join my team. Well, I probably know, pay you more than you get paid on your own. Well, you know, <laughs> funny thing is, is like as the church grew, you know, and I was the lead pastor everybody wanted me to do their well, of course right. i couldn't right i did saturday night sunday morning sunday night services so if they wanted me to do it they typically had to get married on a thursday or friday or something right. like that not a saturday well right. of course you know the brunt of people oh they want to get married on a saturday yep. right yeah or sunday but not not no, another not day. thursday <laughs> yeah so i really ended up as the church grew larger i didn't do most of the weddings i would do the weddings for the people who had been there the right. longest or staff my friends family yeah staff that kind of thing yeah so but yeah i still get asked occasionally yeah you know, yeah some, i've seen your post that yeah pops up in my uh from that grew up in my church is like the, you know they want me to do a wedding for them that's you know so yeah. I'll, I'll do it but uh, yeah excellent so timmy gibson.com uh-huh yep g-i-b-s-o-n yes all right and uh they can follow you on facebook uh -huh, facebook instagram instagram i'm on i'm not a much of a twitter mm -hmm. i tweet once in a blue moon yep. but I, i'm not much on there but i okay. am on there all right all right well thanks for having me on man, man. thanks for coming everybody yeah. thanks for tuning in to spirituality adventures we'll see you next time peace this concludes today's episode thanks for tuning in and listening remember if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.